There are nearly 2 million women veterans who served and deserve the best care anywhere. VA is dedicated to meeting the unique needs of all women veterans. VA offers comprehensive primary care and women's health specialty care. Women veterans who are interested in receiving care at VA should call the Women Veterans Call Center at 855-VA-WOMEN or contact the nearest VA Medical Center and ask for the Women Veterans Program Manager. Visit www.va.gov slash womenvet. Hello everyone, Timothy Lawson here, your host for This Week at VA. Today's feature interview is going to be with Bill Rausch, the Executive Director of Got Your Six. Before we get to that interview, I want to address a few questions we frequently get regarding our Veteran of the Day posts. The biggest question we get is, how do you select the Veteran of the Day? Well, sometimes we feature a notable veteran that has maybe passed away, especially uh, veterans of iconic units like the Tuskegee Airmen or Pearl Harbor survivors. Otherwise, we simply process nominations as they come in. When a nomination is made, we ensure that all we have all the information that we need, and then we process the nomination with a graphic and a short write-up, like you see on Facebook and the blog. Uh, if you have a veteran that you'd like to nominate, uh, go to blogs.va.gov, and you can check the link that's at the bottom of any Veteran of the Day post. Uh, the second question we get most frequently, uh, where is this veteran's this medal or that medal? Well, uh, many times we get questions about why a certain medal or ribbon isn't being displayed in the graphic. And uh, the easiest and most common uh, situation is that we can't always confirm that that veteran uh, rates that medal. And not that we're questioning whether or not they rate a certain medal, but uh, in most cases it actually has to do with the veteran being nominated by a friend or family member and that individual either won't include the medal in their nomination, so they'll list the medals and maybe they forget to include one or uh, they're not aware that that veteran has that, that medal, or they can't confirm themselves that they that that veteran has that medal and a lot of people enjoy making these veteran of the day posts a uh, a surprise for the veteran that they uh, are nominating so to not ruin that surprise we will opt to omit that medal uh, from the graphic and display the awards that we can confirm uh, we know it's not ideal but it's the best situation i think uh, recently there was a veteran of the day post where you know people pointed out that maybe that veteran uh, rated a Purple Heart, and while uh, it's likely that they did, it wasn't included in nomination, and the person that nominated wanted to keep it a surprise, or wanted it to be a surprise, so uh, rather than forcing a confirmation, uh, we just chose not to put the Purple Heart in there, so that way they could still enjoy uh, that moment. And then the third question that we get most often uh, is, uh, where are the devices? For those that are unfamiliar with military medals, when a service member earns an award multiple times, they often put a device like a star, arrowhead, oak leaf on the medal to show how many times they've earned that award. Similar to the situation of, uh, that I've mentioned earlier, it is difficult to get accurate information regarding devices, especially, again, when when the nominator is a friend or family member. It's not the veteran themselves nominating nominating themselves for VOD. And devices, they, t they drastically increase the chances of us displaying the awards incorrectly. And so uh, we often choose to omit them rather than uh, risk inaccuracy. I hope that answers some of the questions that, uh, that you all have had about Veteran of the Days. If you are interested in nominating a Veteran of the Day, like I mentioned, uh, just go to blogs.va.gov. Any Veteran of the Day post will have a link at the bottom that uh, brings you to uh, a page that will tell you how to nominate a Veteran of the Day. So on to our interview with Bill Rausch. Bill graduated from West Point and went on to serve in the Army and the Army Reserves. He spent nearly 17 months in Iraq, and now he serves as the Executive Director of Got Your Six. I sat down with Bill at his office here in Washington, D.C. to talk about his service, collaboration in the veteran space, the mission of Got Your Six, and even beards. That's right, beards get uh, an odd amount of attention uh, in, this, uh, in this interview. So I hope you enjoy. Bill, we're going to get into a lot of things uh, to involve your service and Got Your Six, and uh, I, want, I have a couple of questions for you just regarding the veteran space in general. Uh, but we're going to start where we start every interview with the one commonality that all us veterans have, and that's joining the United States military and yeah. that decision to do that. 
brings back that day for you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so it, it's what we all have in common, right, is when we join the military. And I, I think I've also realized that what we also have in common is that we uh, uh, have as diverse uh, uh, of a number of stories and reasons why we joined the military yeah. uh, as anyone could imagine. And I, I think for me, uh, it started um, in the small town I grew up in, Marengo, Ohio, I think population like 200. Uh, we lived outside of town, of course, so we weren't in that metropolis of 200. But uh, I didn't grow up in a military family. It wasn't a military community, uh, but it was a very strong community in the sense of, of, of community and service and relationship uh, was very, very strong. Uh, my grandfather was uh, private first class in World War II, uh, jumping into Market Garden and then uh, fighting the Battle of the Bulge. Uh, he didn't talk a lot about it. I had some uncles who had served in, in Vietnam equally did not talk much about their service. So the idea of joining the military was never something that I, I felt compelled to do at an early age, but the idea to serve and to give back and to contribute certainly was. And I, I remember there was a, there's a moment when I was a, a young man, I think it was eight, eight or nine years old, I was playing summer baseball, and um, uh, uh, one of my buddies, uh, they, they had, uh, uh, his dad had gotten injured and was out of work and his mom came over to ask my dad for money basically. And I wasn't supposed to be listening. I was like, you know, sneaking around because I was eight and I was uh, clearly, you know, uh, a good sign I should join the military. I was sneaking around and not letting people see me. And I remember her asking my dad for some money and, and he, you know, he gave her some money and she was very humbled by it and, and um, uh, said that, she, that she'd pay him back and, every, you know, he, you know, she'd take care of it once her husband was back to work, and you know, my my father just basically was like, "Don't don't worry about it, right? You guys you guys need a hand right now. I got you. You know, um, you know, we know each other. We we're, we're friends. We're family. You know, we'll we'll take care of each other." And I think that for me was the first time when I realized, like, "Hey, man, I you know, it's really really powerful, and we all have an obligation as citizens and as humans to look out for each other and take care of each other in the community." And I think that was the first moment I started to realize that. Wow, I wanted to be like my dad, you know. And he, he didn't serve in the army, but I'll tell you what, he took care of our family, he took care of the community, he worked his ass off, um, and that really inspired me to be so, part of something bigger than myself. So, when I be, got into high school, um, I literally walked into my guidance counselor's office, Jerry Simpson, who had like sweet arm patches on his on his wool blazer. He's my seventh grade basketball coach. He had a mood ring. He's the coolest dude ever. And I'm like, hey, I, you know, I'm looking to go to college. Nobody in my family had ever graduated from a four-year college. And he gave me this, like, this is like late 90s. He gives me this, like, three-by-five card from, like, 1982 that's like, learn more about West Point. And I'm like, <laughs> whoa, what's that? So I mail it in, right, which because, you know, I'm sure it's, it's still good from 1982 because it had, like, prepaid postage. Yeah. I, like, mailed it in. Uh, they, they got back to me, and, you know, this is my junior year of high school, and I just sort of fell in love with this idea of going to the service academies. And so I applied to all three service academies. I thought they all sound great. I started to apply for ROTC scholarships at, at, at different universities in Ohio and elsewhere across the country. And then I took a visit to West Point and I truly fell in love with the institution, which I would quickly fall out of love as soon as I would have to show up to, to be a cadet there. Right. But, uh, I don't know, just the, the, the sense of service and leadership, uh, and not only service to the army, but to the country, I don't know, it was palatable. And it, it was cold, and it was bitter, and it was gray, and yet it was inspiring for me as a 17-year-old kid, and I was like, this is what I want to do. I mean, this is what I want to be part of. And then I was very, very fortunate to, to, to be accepted into West Point, to receive um, a nomination from Senator John Glenn, who was my, my, my senator, U.S. senator from Ohio. I think we were in the last batch of people that he, he nominated, and we know his service to the country, right? Yeah, as no a Marine, kidding. as an aviator, as an astronaut. And he was somebody, uh, 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 someone I looked up to as a hero when I was growing up as a young man in Ohio. That's cool to have him in the sequence of events yeah. that, led, that led to your service. That's, that's really cool. I mean, he's, he, he's a rock star in and of itself. And, and again, sort of that, that civil servant, right? I mean, he served our military, our country, not only in uniform, but in the U.S. Senate. He was an amazing servant leader in Ohio. He served his family. We all know his personal story with him and his wife and the challenges she overcame uh, uh, w with stuttering and, 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 and mastering speech in a way that was very difficult for her. Uh, just a remarkable guy and family. So that was it. I mean, that was, that, boom, that got me to West Point. 
Um, and then as soon as I showed up at West Point, I realized, you know what? Um, uh, this is a lot tougher than I thought it would be because I grew up in a small town. I was a big fish. But then I also realized that the values that my family had instilled in, in me were going to make me successful in the military. Cooperation, uh, you know, honesty, trust. Um, and that was all part of it. And that's how I got through West Point. Uh, it's, it's how I succeeded in the Army. I did pretty well. I was very fortunate to, to have amazing NCOs and soldiers that made me look good every day. It's, it's, it's why you know, I, I feel like I had a, a pretty impactful contribution to my time in Iraq uh, over a year and a half. And, and ultimately, you know, I think why I had a, a really successful military career, which you know, really has informed who I am since. You know, yeah. This idea of service is, is still very, very much a part of me. And, uh, you know, I'm forever thankful for, for my time at, at, in the Army and at West Point, and, and despite there being some serious moments of suck, yeah. right? I mean, it sure as heck has put me on a path that would have been very different if I didn't join the military sure. uh, from Marengo, Ohio. So is there, um, I'm sure that this is a difficult question for, for most people, but giving it your best shot, can, is, is there an experience or story that you can use from your time of service that sort of sums up your service, maybe something that is sort of the epitome of what you remember experiencing in the military. Yeah, I think um, I think for me, it, it was before I deployed uh, to Iraq in 0607. The, the story for me that epitomizes my my experience and that drives me today is I had a um, uh, I had a soldier who's a corporal. Uh, he was our arms room uh, NCO. Uh, and he was great. He was a rock star soldier. Could have been a little bit, little bit, you know, his boots could have a little, been a little bit shinier and his uniform was never starched, but he was a rock star soldier. And uh, this corporal uh, married, had a young baby, uh, as most babies are, I guess, young, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was an artilleryman, cut me some right? right? But um, we were at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, it was our duty station. Uh, winters can be pretty cold there. And uh, he didn't pay his heating bill for a couple months, and the landlord shut uh, his heat down. And he's he's got he's a wife at home. He has a, a, this newborn baby, and he, and he and he brings this 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 problem to me. This and and you know it's this is a big deal, right? I mean, uh, I was single at the time. I didn't have a family like I do now, but this was clearly an issue. And I remember um, uh, calling the landlord. I couldn't get a hold of him, and so I jumped in my car. It was during work week, but I jumped in my, my my car and I drove to the apartment complex. And got a hold of this guy and, and 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 said, "Hey, listen, you know, I got this soldier, and he's got a newborn baby, he's got a wife, and they're they're freezing in their 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 apartment. You know, you got to turn this guy's heat back on." And you know, he lays it all out. He's like, "He's behind on his bills. He hasn't paid his electric, his utility, yada yada yada." And I'm like, "Yeah, that all sounds great, but like, you know, I don't really give a damn. The guy needs heat." And and I explained to him, I'm "Like, listen, I, he's he's in my unit." I can garnish the guy's wages. I guarantee you. I guarantee you that we're you're not you're not gonna have a utility bill problem anymore. Yeah. Like he's gonna pay his bill. I I can do that, right? And you can do what you need to do, which is put the guy's heat back on. <laughs> and <laughs> I can garnish the guy's yeah, wages. I, mean, you know, yeah. it's, I literally can promise right. you the money. <laughs> right. I can't do that so much anymore. Right. But in the private sector, in the NGO space, but and 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 and. For me, that story, not a combat story, not a West Point story, that story for me was is a special story because I had a positive impact in the life of not only that corporal, but his wife and his kid, who I don't even know to this day uh, what they're up to. But man, I, I took my, my position of leadership, the authority that I had, albeit limited as a uh, a platoon leader is, or is executive officer. I don't even remember. I knew I was a first lieutenant, but I may have been an XO or a, or a PL. Um, X, I was an XO because he, he was the arms guy. But I mean, man, I made a difference. Yeah. And man, it felt good. And and it felt good because you know it was real, it was tangible, and shit. You know, he he felt great about it. And I don't know. I think that epitomizes my military experience. And it kind of goes back to that same example of my old man and 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 the mom of a buddy of mine who I played summer baseball with. It's like, hey, we all have a role in this world, and what can we do to have a positive impact on the lives of others, especially when there's a time of need? You know what I mean? Yeah. And the great thing about it was, Corp, I keep almost saying his name, like it's you know, not attributable, but he was, a, he was a rock star, man. He was, he, was a, he was in the unit as part of the invasion of Iraq. 
uh, before I got to the unit. I mean, he was a rock star soldier, and it, and I helped him out. And you know what? He helped us out because now his family's taken care of. He didn't miss another freaking payment, I can tell you that. We didn't even have to garnish his wages. Uh, he did the right thing. And I'd like to think he's better off for it and I'm better off. So that's that's the story, I think, uh, that I, I love because it, I felt like I had value. And every day now, whether it's as executive director of Got Your Six or as a as a husband and a dad in Alexandria, Virginia, where I live, or, or the, the, the organizations I volunteer with, like that's what I want. I want that Corporal, that Corporal Roberts moment, man. Yeah. I, really, I really have a positive impact in the life of another person. That's cool. How long did you serve? Uh, four years West Point, uh, five years active, uh, and four years in the reserves. So what, pr- what prompted your separation from the military? Um, yeah, I, I think um, at the onset I talked about how thankful I am for my service, and I, and I absolutely am. But there were also some frustrations that I had in the Army. Uh, I, I think I realized uh, uh, early on that um, I liked structure, but I also liked to go outside those boundaries, right? And um, uh, I had a very successful career in terms of promotions and getting out as the rank of major and, and having some really interesting duty assignments. But I just felt that, you know, um, my approach to throwing myself at problems, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, we all do 27, you know, 24-7 ops in the military, but I was one of those guys and one of those officers where it's like, let's get this stuff done, let's knock it out, let's do what we need to do. Um, I, rules are good, but I, you know, more of a principles-based decision rather than a rules-based decision because there were some dumb rules in the Army, uh, certainly uh, downrange, and I just thought, you know what, I want to try that outside of the Army. I want to see how that works in, I don't know, in politics or in the private sector, which I spent time in. And that's, that was sort of really what drove me. Um, the other piece to it, and you know, I guess this is a story for a lot of guys, I also met a girl. <laughs> and uh, uh, I met a woman, and she was amazing, and um, uh, she, was, she was a Brit, and she was super successful and had an amazing career. And I'm not, you know, I wasn't so sure that, you know, she'd be down with going back to Fort Sill, Oklahoma, right. uh, a few times throughout her career. So <laughs> I think that was part of it. But I, the the other piece is, I was out for for several years. I got out, and then I went back into the reserves because yeah. there were there there was that moment that that piece of camaraderie and service over self that that uh, uh, was lacking. And so I went back into the reserves, which a lot of people told me I was crazy to do. Um, and then I did that for, for about four years, just short of four years. And again, had another really great experience. So uh, I'm still in the IRR. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, don't tell, you know, the sec def that. Um, I don't want to get called back right away. But I, <laughs> I, I mean, there's a part of me that could see myself going back in, to be yeah. honest with you. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, those are sort of the reasons why I got out, why I got back in, and why I still reserve the what right, although I get might get in trouble with my wife, to maybe jump back in if... if if, if folks need me and I could be a use. Sure. Either with when you left active duty or when you finally got out of the reserves, did you, did you experience any sort of emotional crisis after your service? Um, I, uh, not when I immediately left. Yeah. Looking back in hindsight, right, I mean, I clearly, there were some moments of crisis, I think. Um, but um, when I left active duty, as a good responsible officer, uh, I had no plan whatsoever, right? <laughs> so I was deployed on a 12-month tour to Iraq. Uh, I, I knew I was going to get it out. I made the decision to drop my paperwork while I was in country. Uh, and then I did some, you know, some fancy backwards planning with my, the data I could get out, how much terminal leave I had. And then I thought, well, why am I going to leave Baghdad and go back to Fort Sill for X amount of months and then wait to get out? Might as well just finish it up here. Sure. That seemed like a great idea at the time. And so I asked them to extend me, which they did. So I got a volunteer extension to do uh, about 16 and a half months, just short of 17. Uh, May 06 to, to, to September. 17 months. 
It was short of 17, but short. yeah, right. It was, yeah. It seemed like a, I was, listen, man, I was single. That's a long time. I was, it was, you know, I'd, I'd gotten into a pretty good rhythm. I was I'd, 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 I was around great soldiers. I, I had some buddies that came in and out. Nice thing, I was there for so long, I got to see a good group of people come in and out. So yeah. I, think, I think there were like three cores that were there. Um, uh, I Corps, three Corps, and then 18th Airborne Corps, they were coming in as I was rolling out. So it was it was interesting. There was a lot happening in Iraq. There was a lot of transition, uh, but again, I I felt like, hey, I'm in the army. I know I'm going to get out. Why go sit on some staff somewhere back in at Fort Sill? I, I'm a value here. I'm having an impact. Uh, at least I felt like I did. I and and and, and, and even looking back, I I, I I certainly did have a, a small impact in our work. And um, so I thought, hell, let's just let's just finish it up here. So I, I got back uh, September, um, uh, actually it was the general, remember the front page of the New York Times, like General Betrayus, mm. when, uh, when General Betrayus testified in front of Congress? Yeah. So I remember we did a little bit of prep work because we did some reports into that brief, and he was testifying while I was in Kuwait. I came back home, and I had like 10 days before I started terminal leave. So I didn't go to TAP, I didn't do, although that, I think that was a little bit different back then. And I got in my car, and I got, I drove from Oklahoma to Ohio where I grew up, and man, I was fired up. And I looked in my rearview mirror, and I'm like, never gonna go back to Fort Sill, which I was wrong about. Never gonna be in the army again. I got this whole great future ahead of me, which was true. But I guess I didn't realize that, you know, when I was gonna go back home, despite having an amazing family and a loving family, despite having this small town that still existed, you know, I was gonna struggle. And and what I was gonna struggle with, I was gonna struggle to have. You know, genuine trusted relationships with people who understood me, and frankly, I didn't understand a lot of the people I left when I was 18. You know, a lot had happened, yeah. right? Um, you know, and 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 it took some time, but I did have an emotional crisis. And frankly, looking back, what I what I struggled with was answering the question of who am I? Because I knew what I was when I was in the army. I was a soldier, right? And I was a cadet before that. But now it's like, well, what am I? And what am I supposed to do with my life, you know? And that, I think, is, is something we all have. And what I've also realized is people who don't serve in the military have that same struggle. Yeah. Uh, and perhaps the difference is, is they didn't have the advantage of being in the military where you had a very specific purpose. Or, uh, in some ways, didn't have the disadvantage of being thrusted with purpose immediately in life and then having the challenge of discovering it again Afterwards, that like, is a good point. I talked to Blaine Smith about this on on our like most people who don't serve in the military go through high school, college, internships, jobs, and slowly discover new places of passion and stuff. And that sense of purpose, while they have it, they they're searching to get it. They're not trying to fill the void of it not being there. That is exactly it, man. And yeah. Blaine, Blaine's a rock star. I love Blaine. I'm a little behind on my RWB workouts. He was giving me a hard time earlier, but. <laughs> That's just it, and that aha moment for me was, and I, I was just writing about this the other day uh, uh, as part of a book forward that's uh, that's coming out, a great book, uh, collection, of, collection of Stories. Oh, so, so, okay. so it's a collection of stories, uh, veterans who've, who've overcome trauma and, 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 and have really positive stories and outcomes, and, and I wrote about my aha moment, and what it was, uh, rather than the specific details of it, but I, I realized, and it was through volunteering with Team Red, White, and Blue, frankly, and I realized that I didn't have to, I, I didn't have to stop like reminiscing and wanting to go back to Baghdad, because I used to think about that, like, man, I was at a startup, I worked on a presidential uh, campaign, I, I was in some really cool places, and yet I still wanted to go back. Yeah. I'm like, man, I wanna go back with that team at that time, and, and, and doing that work and having that impact, and then I started to realize, through Team Red, White, and Blue, through leading and starting a chapter, through building genuine trusted relationships with civilians, active duty, military, vets, you name it, I'm like, you know what? Like, I, I have a purpose here. I can, have a I can have an impact in the life of anybody, just like I did with Corporal Roberts, and I can do it right here in Alexandria, Virginia. I can do it through Team Red, White, and Blue. I can do it through Got Your Six. I could, you know, go into the VA, whatever the case may be. And then I started to look forward, right? and starting to search for opportunities that have that impact rather than looking backward at when I did have that impact. And don't get me wrong, I still reminisce, but not like I did. Now I'm searching for new opportunities, yeah. and you're right. It's 
we get that thrust on us when we're 18, right? And you're like, boom, this is the best thing ever. And then you're looking for that high the rest yeah. of your life. And I think what I've realized is it's all around us. There are literally opportunities every single day uh, from, you know, this is super cheesy, but from like giving up your seat to somebody on the metro to picking up trash uh, to saying hello to your neighbor, yeah. like really basic, simple things. Um, you can have that positive, you can have that purpose again. And it's all around us and there are opportunities. And and uh, so, yeah, I think Blaine hit the nail on the head. And, and um, you know, for me, that's that's where I'm at. And, that, and I'm glad I had that aha moment. And that really, that, that's helped me address that emotional crisis that I was in. And, and, and again, I think a lot of people have, whether they were in the military or not. Yeah. Not to take anything from Blaine. That's a, that's a Tim Lawson sentiment. Oh, actually. Well, of course. Yeah. And you know, listen. <laughs> I'm sure people can hear through the, the the podcast. You and I have you know rock star beards right now. <laughs> and um, what that has to do with Blaine Smith, I have no idea. But he used to have a rock star beard. Although right now he's very he's very clean shaven at the moment. Who? Uh, side note. Uh, give me a give me a quick top one or two beards in the veteran space. Well, Jared Lyon is, um, <laughs> he, he jokes that he looks like a, a small child, yeah. but his beard is unbelievable. Sure. It's, it's groomed as only a Navy veteran uh, could groom it. It's very tidy. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's fire red, so it's fierce. <laughs> yeah. It's fierce. And yet he's an academic, so he's also very sophisticated. So his beard in general <laughs> uh, is, is, I think, a special beard. Uh, another interesting beard as uh, uh, a small business owner, a guy named Nick. Nick Carnese. Yes! That's exactly yes! what I was going to say. Yep. So what do I have on my desk right over there, right? You see that stubble, and stash? stubble and stash nice. beard product, all yep. right? So this guy, I, I don't want this to turn into like an advert for stubble and stash, but <laughs> Nick is a rock star. He's a Marine, yeah. uh, Marsoc guy. Yeah. He's been veteran of the day. Before. Has he been? Of course he has. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and every day he makes me feel like the veteran of the day when I use his stubble and stash product. Yeah. Um, see how I can, He I was the him. first video veteran of the day that we did. And of course, I saw that. It was this just glorious it's beard. It's gorgeous. Yeah. He's a beautiful man. And listen, I'm an Army guy, so I just gave a Navy guy love and a Marine Corps guy love. Sure. So um, so those are two beards that pop into my mind. Very well. I'm sure <laughs> that's the highlight of the, the podcast, I'm sure, is the, uh, the, the awards on beards. That would be, that'd be a heck of a fundraiser, though. To have like veterans submit their beards Ooh. and then people bid like a like they they put up a dollar to make a vote for like who their who their um, their beard favorite is. Well, that's like not that. a bad idea. And I was also thinking as a fundraiser, <laughs> we could do um, like I've had my beard for a while now. It's part of my boom, right? Yeah. You know, RWB beards, RWB boom. That's how I, you know I still I'm still uh, rocking and rolling in Alexandria with our chapter. I was thinking, what if you know uh, the person who donates the most money gets to shave my beard, I was thinking. Oh. Because it's part of who I am, and yet, you know, I would be willing to sacrifice it for just a short period of time. I think we could get a decent amount of money if Nick Carnese ponied up for, uh, for that uh, Oh, he, for dude, that he's campaign. unbelievable, right? Yeah. I mean, oof. And the, the other piece to this I should note is, and I'm still in the IRR, I read a great article in the Army Times the other day that the Army's considering, you know, letting people in with beards. Sure. And I might consider, again, <laughs> my wife has veto power. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, hey, maybe I roll into the reserves, get to keep the beard, yeah. got your six, bring in the boom. I don't know. There's a lot of options right now. So, um, when I first learned about Got Your Six, for about a year, I had no idea what it was. Yeah. I couldn't tell. You know, we think of veteran service organizations like um, uh, like SVA, Team Rubicon, um, Mission Continue, stuff like that. And there's there's a very apparent mission there, yeah. right? Uh, got your six. Um, I think uh, it took a while for people to really grab a hold of yeah. what it was, uh, the mission here. So can you explain what Got Your Six is, yeah. what the mission is there, and then through your explanation, maybe explain how it's a campaign right. and how that differs from the traditional VSO. Right. No, and that's a, a good question. And, and for listeners who, who maybe have asked themselves the same question, I should note, I also struggled with what Got Your Six was when it was first founded. And it was founded uh, five years ago uh, on May 12th. May 12th this year, we turned five. Nice. Uh, and uh, so we're excited by that. But it was really born out of the entertainment industry and Hollywood wanting to support veterans. 
And, and five years ago, that's how Got Your Six was born. It's, it's evolved along the, the way. But when I showed up as executive director January of last year, um, one of the things I realized is we didn't have a mission statement. And so we went to work. Uh, we did several offsites with the team. I went to Alexandria, Virginia, which is the number one mid-sized city for veterans, uh, according to militarytimes.com, right? Sure. So it's a great home of George Washington, mm -hmm. right? So we got veteran creative juices. Nick used to live there. He, he should still live there. I don't know. But we really asked ourselves the question, you know, what problem are we trying to solve? And what we realized was that we're not trying to solve a veteran problem at Got Your Six. We're trying to apply veterans as a solution to America's problems. And so our purpose and our mission is simple. It's to empower veterans to lead a resurgence of community across the country. So now what does that mean? Well, first of all, resurgence is a rock star military word, right? So we know that there's a declining community if you look at civic engagement. People vote less, volunteer less, they're less active in civic organizations, school boards, churches, you name it. We also know that through the Veterans Civic Health Index, which is an annual report that Got Your Six does, that veterans are more likely to do all of those things. Yeah. Or as General Milley said the other day in a meeting with him, he's like, we not only make great soldiers, we make super citizens, right? Well, we don't say super citizens, we say civic assets. And so the bet we're making is because all of us have that emotional crisis, because all of us were spoiled at 18 to have this purpose in front of us and saying this is what you're going to do from cleaning the toilet to you know liberating a people yeah like it was a clear defined purpose and when we leave we lose that and we're at a disadvantage and we're looking back well it got your six we say you know what this is how you look forward the country that we live in the communities we live in small towns and big cities have problems let's go fix them and the beauty of it is no matter whether we're young, we're old, uh, we deployed, we didn't deploy, the research validates the fact, and we tell this through storytelling, we share these anecdotes and these stories, we are really, really good at leading in our communities. So that's why our mission is to empower vets to lead a resurgence of community, and we do it through two ways. We do it through an awareness campaign, where we work with Hollywood, we also have our own programs like Storytellers, that's like TED Talks for Vets, digital campaigns like hashtag I am that celebrates the multi-dimensions of veterans. And we tell stories about veterans to veterans and to civilians because our research also tells us that most Americans view veterans as broken. Uh, roughly 80% think veterans, all veterans have post-traumatic stress. Yeah. So we have these huge misconceptions about our own community and that is a barrier to entry whether it's to hiring a veteran, to letting a veteran coach your local baseball team or volunteer with a scouting group or whatever the case may be. And so listen, this is like, I mentioned I, mentioned I worked on a presidential campaign. I mentioned I was in Iraq in 06, 07 when we were rocking and rolling with counterinsurgency work. This is like 101. You have to shift perceptions first and then you have to reinforce that with an experience. So we have an awareness campaign, which is what we call this cultural campaign. Then we have a collective impact campaign. Yeah. And that is 34 nonprofit partners. RWB is one of them, but so is Rubicon, Michigan Tenues, uh, the sixth branch up in Baltimore, the Tillman Foundation, TAPS, Blue Star Families, boom, 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 boom. I keep going on and on. And those guys and gals are in the communities doing the work that we've been talking about. And then most importantly, providing opportunities for guys and gals like me and you to lead again in their community. And so it's that simple. It's a two-pronged approach, awareness campaign, culture campaign, that's reinforced by a collective impact campaign. And we bring those nonprofits together once a year. We, we agree on priorities, goals. Uh, we work together through collaboration. And then we've got a partnership with uh, uh, Macy's who gives us money to grant out to those nonprofit partners. We granted out $1.1 million last year around impactful collaborative work that's happening in the communities that, again, empowers vets to not only lead a resurgence of community, but, man, serve ourselves in the process. Yeah. Because wellness goes up, up through the roof, employment is easier to attain, health, all of that stuff goes up when we're leading and engaged in our community again. Sure. So then how does, and this is something I, uh, I've been wanting to ask leadership in this space for a while, how do you work the collaborative efforts in supporting other VSOs while still competing for support, funding, stuff like that? Yeah. Uh, how do you approach that? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I think the approach, uh, we, we have an approach uh, that's really based off of two pieces, uh, our values and our purpose. And so every partnership we look at, every program we look at, we ask ourselves, is that partnership, uh, is that individual or that organization, is that program in line with our values? And so we have the five values that, that we live, uh, live accordingly every single day. And then is it aligned with our purpose? And if it does not align with our values and our purpose, we don't do it. So that's, that's sort of the baseline. In terms of the competition piece, frankly, I think there are two, two, two lines of thought. And this is not unique to, to the veteran NGO space. This is to life. Yeah. There are certain people out there, and there's a lot of constructs. I'm, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty because some people like you know f- certain frameworks over other frameworks. But... There are certain people in this world who believe that there is a pie and that they have to fight for their piece of the pie. Yeah. I'm not one of those people. I believe in making the pie bigger, baby. That's what I believe in. And there are a lot of great leaders like that. And so I don't feel like I'm competing for funds or for hits or impressions or members or because I know that what we do is different and unique from what other organizations do. And I can tell you that uh, I've referred funders to other organizations and say, hey, this is what we do. That funder shares what their priorities are. And then we kind of look at each other and say, you know what? Yeah, our values are aligned, our purposes are aligned, but I don't think we want the right thing. Hey, you should go talk to these guys or gals. And you know what? That grows the pie. And the other piece to this is, What's your driving force? Our purpose is important. Uh, everybody or every organization or nonprofit coalition have really, really awesome missions. And per- but you know what? They all center around a person, people. And so if we're putting those people first, then that's all that matters. And so I don't see as competing because in my mind's eye, as long as, as, long as we start, we continue to have impact and value, then we're in business. And the day when we're no longer needed or relevant, once that 80% of Americans who view us as broken is down to, I don't know, 40, 30, 20, I don't, maybe we were, you know, we probably close up shop. Mm -hmm. And we say, hey, you know, boom, we rocked it out, call it a day. So that's the other piece is I'm not looking to stay in business to stay in business, but of course there are, you know, know, I'm not a a fool. Mm -hmm. There are some some leaders out there in the veteran space and other, other, other sectors who don't view it that way. But I think this way is, 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 is the right way. I think it's a values-based way. And I can tell you, I think it's a successful way. Because if you look at the organizations that are growing, if you, lo- if you look at all of the, 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 the quals that define success, they're doing it the way that I just described. Yeah. And there are people doing a lot better than we are. I mean, you know, we're, we've, we've got a long way to go, and we're, we're still finalizing how we measure impact. Uh, we've got a big study coming out this year with a longitudinal study uh, that's going to that's – show us not only how are Americans shifting their perception of veterans for better or worse, but how much our work is impacting that. And we're working with a guy named Dan Healy who actually worked with me in Baghdad. Okay. He's, a, he's a big Australian uh, a rugger who uh, lives in London now, but he was, he was working for us as a civilian helping us figure out uh, how well we were doing convincing Sunni Iraqis to reject Al-Qaeda in Iraq. And so I told him, I'm like, hell man, if you could help us figure that out back in 06, 07, you could probably help us out with the vet stuff. So, I mean, that's our approach. Uh, but, you know, it goes back to my time as a kid in Marengo, to West Point in the Army, and is we can get a heck of a lot more done, man, when we work together than when we can, you know, working at odds. And, sure. and it's, it's working for us, we're growing. We're having a greater impact, and you know that's that's really what it's all about. Absolutely. Going. Um, let's go. To, let's go to this one. Uh oh. So when I walked in here to, to uh, set up, I said I was going to walk around uh, looking stuff in a wall, and you said it's kind of boring stuff, uh, but there's also a bronze star on the wall. Um, the bronze star seems to be the first award in the uh, in the prestigious awards, if I can call them that that veterans are a little bit more hesitant to talk about their experience with. Medal of Honor recipients are, of course, notorious for feeling a different way about the fact that they've been awarded that. Um, I've talked to Silver Star recipients that have a difficult time with going back to why they were awarded. Why do you think that is? 
Like what? And in, in, in since you are a Bronze Star recipient and and the the award that I think first breaches that threshold, um, why do you think that is? Yeah, it's it. Uh, thanks for the question. Uh, just so everybody's listening, that was the question I, I asked you not to, to, to throw at me. So thank you for, for for making me a little uncomfortable. You don't have to answer. No, the well, reason why this is a podcast is because I like to an- ask questions, and if you don't want to answer, you don't have to. If you answer and don't like it, I can edit it out. Well, here's the beauty. I, I I'm not into editing. I'm okay. into transparency. Okay. And check this out, because what people should know listening is that there are a lot of things hanging on my wall, and there's also a picture of Bob McDonald. Uh, who's an Army veteran at our, the launch of our Veterans Civic Health Index. And I mention that because I think that he has given the best answer to the question you just asked. And we were at the launch of our Veterans Civic Health Index last year, and we were at Sirius XM Radio, and Jared Rizzi asked a question about you know veterans and whether we uh, view each other differently, whether there are categories of veterans, like Special Forces versus yeah. you know Big Army. And... You know, Bob, and he's, he said this several times, um, but I think it answers your questions about, you know, when, when you asked me about my Bronze Star and I didn't give you much of an answer. I think, um, I think there's a, a degree of guilt that um, humans have, not veterans, but humans. You know, my father uh, didn't serve in the Army. I, told, I mentioned that earlier. I know he has a degree of guilt that he did not volunteer and go to Vietnam. And, I mean, to be clear, he didn't run to Canada. He didn't, you know, he, he was, he was a, 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 a big, strong man uh, who grew up in a small town, and circumstances were that he didn't go to Vietnam. And he feels guilty about that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Uh, Bob McDonald talked about how he felt guilty he didn't go to war. Another time, uh, Bob was saying how he felt guilty he didn't go to combat. And I remember sitting with him and Will Reynolds, who uh, is an amputee and a buddy of mine, classmate of mine at West Point, we, we, we took plebe drowning together because we were like two of the worst swimmers in our class. We literally drowned together when we were 18 and 19. It was awesome. I feel guilty that I didn't give as much as Will did. Yeah. And so I think that's why I'm hesitant to... Uh, talk too much about it because part of the reason why I wanted to go back to Baghdad and sometimes the, you know the reason I still want to go back even though I've found this new purpose and I believe there are opportunities all around us um, I feel like I you know should go back and give more yeah. I feel like I could have given more and I know that sounds silly but man you know in 17 months is a long time but there were guys and gals who did 17 days and gave the ultimate sacrifice so that's the other piece too is is uh you know, the friends that, that we had who didn't come home. Uh, I had this NCO, uh, Dan, Dan Schreibner, he's from Michigan. I'm a Ohio guy, right? So, you know, beat Michigan. Man, this guy was great. When I was a young lieutenant, he helped me work on a, I had an old Bronco too uh, that my grandfather used to deliver mail in and Dan, you know, would show me how to, how to do some things on it and tinker with it. And he had a wife and two kids, man. And he was doing left seat, right seat uh, up in northern Iraq and he got blown up like two weeks before we went home. I mean, shit, I didn't give as much as Dan did. Uh, so I think that's the piece that is unique. And it's not a veteran thing, it's a human thing. Yeah. Where, you know, we feel guilt and we say, man, I should have done more. The other piece to it, though, I think is, is and especially with for vets who, who are struggling with that, because I know I struggle less with it now, but the other piece to it is, is you know, they gave, especially folks who gave the ultimate sacrifice, man, they gave it for a reason. and and. And you could be altruistic, say, oh, they gave it for the country and for freedom. And yeah, okay, I, I, I'll buy that. They also gave it to us. They yeah. gave it to, for you, for me, for Corporal Roberts, right? Um, for guys and gals they knew. And I think that's, that's a pretty daggone good motivator to be like, you know what? I got to get, get up off the sofa, man. What would TK do, right? Uh, uh, what would Heinze do? What would these guys and gals do? Uh, and I think the answer is they get up off their ass and they get back to work. And that's a question we've got to ask ourselves. What's next? Um, and so I think that's, that, I think that's just the nature of life. I'm, I'm going to shut up now because I, I feel like I, I feel confident enough that I answered the question. Yeah. But that's it, man. And, and, and it's, it's cross-generational. It's cross-generational. Um, you know, my bronze star is for meritorious service. And I remember I ran into a Vietnam veteran when I got off active duty. 
and he thought it was he thought I had a V and uh, uh, for Valeron, and I'm like, no, 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 man, like, no, no, that's not what you know, and he didn't mean anything by it. He was just like, hey, man, oh well, I just thought. I'm like, no, no, I didn't do that much. And then he kind of him and I had a couple beers, and he was telling me the same thing from his experience in Vietnam, right? Is you know his some of the guilt he had. So. I think that's a big part of it, but I am I am proud of my service. Um, I think a lot of people in transition maybe shy away from from that pride. So I think a lot of people. Uh, I know I went through a phase where I didn't cons- like I didn't think of myself as a vet. I didn't want to hang out with vets, yeah. even the bearded ones, <laughs> as cool as we are. Yeah. Right. And so that's the other reason Got Your Six exists. We're not just you know trying to make civilians aware, but we're trying to connect our own brothers and sisters and saying hey. Of all generations, like, hey guys, you're not broken, man. Yeah, you feel guilty, maybe that's okay. Uh, yeah, you've experienced some trauma, but man, we can get through this. And that's the other piece. Guy Your Six isn't just about informing and educating civilians, it's about informing, educating, inspiring, and empowering veterans to be like, hey, listen, you know the best way to deal with that guilt? Go pick up a shovel, man, and get to work. Go fill some sandbags when the Potomac's rising down in Old Town Alexandria. Yeah. Or in Marengo, Ohio, where I grew up, man, there's all kinds of things to do. Go coach the, the junior high basketball team. Mr. Simpson, my guidance counselor, I think he's retired. He probably <laughs> need a new coach. And that's what it's all about. It's, it's activating us as humans. And I'll tell you, the other piece of this is what I'd love is, you know, we talk about issues for veterans, but I can tell you there's not an issue a veteran has that, 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 that a loved one who didn't serve in the military doesn't have. Yeah. And I'd love, I'd love to just show the whole daggone world, we, if we can overcome some of the challenges we have, so can you. And be sure. that inspiration and that battle buddy. Because I'm telling you, we got real issues, we know we have problems, and I want us selfishly as a veteran community to tackle them. And I don't think there's anybody as poised and as primed and as prepared as us because, um, you know, we talk about America having our six, but, man, I, I got their six, too. Mm-hmm. And I know you do, even the, even the non-bearded folks out there. <laughs> uh, I really, one, I appreciate you answering the question, and two, I appreciate the answer you gave because that is something as a Marine who didn't go to Iraq, who didn't go to Afghanistan, who, do, who my, you know, my highest award is a Navy Achievement Medal, which as a Marine security guard was sort of the congrat. thank you for not messing up while you're out there. Here's an award for that. And well, look how you just described it, though. You described yeah. it the same way as I'm describing you know, my situation. Sure, yeah. yeah. And um, it's difficult. You know, I've been, I've been a veteran now longer than I was in the military, right? right? Like, I've become a professional veteran. Right. Um, and I'm more aware now of what the veteran space is like than I ever was about yeah. the military when I was in it. And it's difficult to be... You know, I have, if I can toot my own horn a little toot bit, it. I've put a lot of work into being a part of the discussion in the veteran space uh, with people uh, that have multiple combat tours, that have Purple Hearts and Bronze Stars and Medal of Honor yeah. and all this stuff. And I still feel, and a lot of times, I feel it's difficult for me to have that voice because I don't have that experience. Yeah. And, um, and I'm always made sure that. I'm welcome in the conversation because of, yeah. of um, sentiments like yours that like, and it helps reassure me that my contribution uh, was just as impactful uh, in the way that it was. So, well, it was, man. And you know, the, the other thing I mentioned, my grandfather, who I, who didn't talk much about his service, I had one the most in-depth conversation I ever had with him about his military service was in the context of me being at West Point, and uh, he he came up once. I was on room restriction. I got in trouble for some silly little thing that, that, you know, having too many pictures on my desk or something like that, or being late to class. And I was on room restriction and I couldn't leave, but my grandfather already like planned to come to, to West Point and visit me. My TAC officer was like, hey, I want to meet him because I was in the 82nd and you know, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. My grandfather never went, he never even went to Fort Bragg, right? He got drafted, uh, went to basic, then he went to jump school and he went to jump school because they said he'd get paid extra. He's like, that sounds pretty good, you know, for a farm, farmer, you know, small farmer kid yeah. in, in Ohio. Anyways, long story short, that was his one trip up. He came up, he wanted to see a statue of Patton, who he really attributed to sort of saving his life when he was stuck in the, in the bulge. And uh, he didn't talk at all that weekend about his service, even at being at West Point and all this other stuff. And then my senior year, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do, and I call him. And he died. He died when I was a, a, a second lieutenant. Maybe, yeah. Right before I pinned first lieutenant, he passed away. And, uh, but I was still a cadet, and I'm like, Grandpa, I don't know what to do, man. Like, 
you were in the 82nd Airborne, man, you jumped in, you got a, you got a mustard stain on your Airborne rings, you jumped into Market Garden, man, you know, bridge too far, right, for those listening. Then you got all scattered up, like all the Airborne troopers, you end up at the Battle of the Bulge, like you, you know, uh, I, I don't know, you killed these Germans and saved the world, right? And I don't know what to do. Should I branch artillery? Should I go infantry? I feel like I should go infantry. Everybody's got to go infantry. But hey, signal seems kind of cool. Yeah. I literally had no idea. And so I'm asking this hero in my mind, right? And he, his, his, his response was, you get a pick? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I get a pick. And he's like, well, then pick what you want to do, man. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh my God, this is the guy who's done all this stuff and he's experienced all these things. And it, it, it was that simple. It yeah. was like, oh, just pick, what do you want to do? Yeah. Like, and it just reminded me of, dude, we don't get a pick when wars happen. We don't get a pick when we, I, shit, I feel guilty I wasn't in the invasion, right? I feel guilty I didn't go to Afghanistan. But you know what? Man, we all do what we, we do. Yeah. And I think that's the piece is let's just look forward, man. So you kicked ass in the Marine Corps. I mean, you picked the wrong branch, but that's not your, <laughs> that's not your fault. <laughs> but that's it, man. And, sure. and, and I'll tell you another thing, too. We're not really good. Well, there's some of us are too good at it. But I think most veterans, we're humble guys and gals, right? Because we believe in selfless service and the values of the military. But none of, none of us should feel ashamed. And, and, and we should be proud of that. And for guys like me and you and for folks listening um, who, who have made that realization, I think we have a duty and obligation to grab those, those young and old veterans. I, I'll tell you what, I, 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 a good buddy of mine who's a retired colonel got out a couple years ago and he was a mentor of mine when I was in the military, but he struggled with transition. He's yeah. still struggling. And we got an obligation to help each other out as people get out of the military or maybe have been out for a couple decades to say, hey man, don't, you don't need to feel guilty for that. Like you rocked and rolled, man. Yeah. Be proud of that achievement. Uh, somebody thought enough of you to give you that. Sure. And I'll tell you what, they didn't just pull out a coin and slap it in your hand. They did paperwork, <laughs> and they had to get signatures, yeah. and they had to do an award ceremony. Um, and I think back to Corporal Roberts again. I remember we gave him an impact AAM on a field exercise. Man, you better believe he deserved it. He was yeah. a rock star. Sure. And I guarantee you somebody thought the same daggone thing about you. I appreciate even that. Even though you're a Marine. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, uh, one last question, one of my favorites to ask people. Um, it's a much easier question. All right. Uh, we've already given props to Jared Lyon and Nick Carnese uh, in this conversation. Tell, give me one or two other veterans in the space that you truly admire or have you excited about what they're doing. Uh, there's uh, Joe Quinn at Team Red, White, Blue. He's their director of leadership development. Uh, he was a storyteller for Got Your Six this past year. And I've known Joe since I was a kid. Uh, at West Point and uh, I mentioned Joe because uh, he and I have if life is like a sine or a cosine wave and I for the Marines I'm happy to explain what that is but Joe and I's our waves are offset and uh, uh, every time something really crappy has happened in my life traumatic um, he's been there to kind of pull me through uh, from you know I had, a, uh, I had a sibling my oldest sister died by suicide when I was deployed that was really tough. Joe and I were living together in Baghdad, and uh, he was with me up until I got on the plane, man. Unbelievable. Uh, Joe lost uh, his brother in a World Trade Center, 9-11, uh, which was tough for him. And Joe and I have always been in for there for each other. Best man at my wedding. He's got an awesome beard, although I think he trimmed it recently. I don't know why. But Joe is doing unbelievable stuff for Team Red, White, and Blue. And he's telling his story. He's inspiring people. And he's building out their leadership development program because what RWB's realized, I think, uh, not to speak for Blaine, but you know they're 120,000 plus members or whatever they're at in oh, like 140, 170 communities. These are the people I've been talking about. We've been talking about, and they they're 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 developing a curriculum, and we actually we help fund this. They put an RFP together, and we're, we're we we gave them a small grant to to support this. Not enough. They need a lot more. But uh, to take these raw leaders. To describe you and me as raw and saying hey this is how you can lead in your community again just like you led in the military and Joe's Joe's leading that charge and he's he's not real loud about it he's a, he's a quiet dude he's a humble dude he's a southpaw he's lefty uh, I have no idea what that has to do with anything but he's, he's a lefty <laughs> nasty basketball player Joe's rocking and rolling and the stuff he's working on right now is just un 
unbelievable. And he inspires me. So that's that's one vet that's that's I think really, really, really rocking and rolling. And then there's another vet, a uh, guy named Brendan O'Toole. And the name sounds really familiar. Well, so this is why I'm gonna bring up Brendan, and this is a sleeper, I'd say. So Brendan, uh, Marine, radio operator, enlisted uh, out of high school, grew up in the area in Alexandria. I met Andrew because he started a, a small C3, well, I shouldn't say small, they, they ended up rocking and rolling, but he, he started a, a nonprofit called The Run for Veterans. Okay. And he had a buddy who joined the military before him who came back and had struggled with mental health issues. Uh, and Brendan wanted to raise awareness, so he decided to run across the country. And as a good Marine, he decided to do this with no plan whatsoever. And he went to California, and he started to run across the country. Yeah. And he had a buddy of his. Um, they like ended up wrapping a truck and, and, and sponsoring his trip. He got injured along the way. He um, got some help from a, a trainer and a, a professional athlete. He ended up having this amazing movement that followed him across the country. He Googled organizations to like give this money to. And he, he, he found Gibbonauer, Team Red, White, and Blue, and then the USO, which he'd experienced during a deployment, giving him some support. And he raised over half a million bucks. That's amazing. And, and um, what I, I mentioned Brendan because the, the professional vet space, as you mentioned earlier, but you know, Brendan did all this amazing work they did a documentary about him. He got punched in the face, actually, in Baltimore. Like, and it got caught by like a CCTV. It was kind of funny because he's okay, and it like helped him raise extra money. Sure. Uh, he was on like the Queen Latifah show. Brendan O'Toole is an enlisted Marine who deployed to Afghanistan as a radio operator, came back home, wanted to make a difference, and with no plan, ran all across the country uh, to serve his buddy and, and to lift his buddy's story up, raised all this money, uh, and he's going back to school. He's tending bar like three blocks from here. And I'll tell you, I mention him because I don't think Brendan O'Toole is going to become a career better. That's not his thing. But he's going to do something. And I can tell. And, uh, man, he's going to kick ass. And he's going to start a small business. Or, or, or he's going to join a company or a corporation and have impact. And, man, he gets me excited. Because, and the reason I mention him is because there are hundreds of thousands of Brendan O'Toole's across the country. Yeah. Uh, and we don't even know about them. Yeah. We don't even know about them. And here's my third, because we're, we're, I gotta be quick. Okay. Um, third and fourth, because uh, why not, right? <laughs> okay. There are two people, two rock star veterans I'm really, really fired up about uh, at Got Your Six. One is Kate Hoyt, who used to work at VA. Yep. Um, and, um, Kate's unbelievable, upstate New York, rural community. I don't know, I feel like her and I grew up in similar towns and one was in rural Ohio, one was upstate New York. You know, joins the Army National Guard, deploys. She's like, anyway, she did all this great stuff. Google her, Kate Hoyt. But this is what I'm excited about, Kate. So Kate came to me last year and was a couple, th couple things. Kate's like very persuasive. She's just like, living in Alexandria, she's rock and roll. She's like, hey Bill, I think I wanna move to LA. All right, sounds great, move to LA. So she moves to LA. She's working at Got Your Six in the context of this. That's why she uh, she didn't ask for permission right. from other perspective. Right. So she moves to LA and starts rocking and rolling and she, she was doing our social, doing our IT. Uh, we had some consultants she was managing. And then at the end of last year, she's like, hey, I wanna do something different. I'm like, what do you wanna do? She's like, and she's super creative. She's unbelievable. So she's like, oh yeah, I came up with this hashtag I am campaign. I came up with this hashtag she's badass campaign. I just wanna create content for Got Your Six to help, to help to tell these stories to help inform and educate Americans and veterans that were, were leaders and problem solvers and civic assets. And so we got this PSA coming out. And it's a women's public service announcement. Uh, and it is badass. And, you know, um, because I'm married to a badass woman, um, uh, Dr. Alison Roush, who's a British American, I recruited her, so I'm like plus one for, for America. <laughs> um, I don't know, I get really fired up about women warriors for a couple reasons. One. Uh, I met Ranger Lisa Jaster, and she's a rock star, and women are doing more and more and more in the military, and they're the fastest growing population of veterans in this country. Uh, they're about 20% of, uh, of vets under the age of 60, and it's growing. And I mentioned Kate because Kate's also one of those people. Like, she's a sleeper. And people know Kate a little bit better than they know Brendan, but she's doing some badass stuff for Got Your Six, 
and I'm, I'm telling you, you're going to see some really rock star stuff come out of Got Your Six because Kate, we've unleashed her. I got to give her a better budget, but we're working on raising money for that. <laughs> but man, I'm telling you, she's going to be, she's inspiring people every single day. Kate Hoyt. The second one is uh, uh, Lauren Augustine, who we just hired. I've been trying to hire her for like a year. She is a badass. Uh, she's local to Northern Virginia. Um, uh, uh, went to Virginia Tech. Uh, graduated. Went OCS. Injured, severely injured her back so bad in OCS. The recruiter's like, well, you can't even be an officer. You can't do this anymore. And which I don't, may or may not have been true. We know how you know recruiters can be a little, little, little tricky. And so she's like, well, but I still want to be in the military. And they're like, well okay, you can enlist. And she's like, boom, done. Hmm. Enlists, like makes E5 and like lickety split. Um, was a drone pilot. Nice. So like with cameras and bombs, yeah. bringing the boom. And we just hired her to be our government relations director. And I'm telling you, Lauren Augustine fires me up because she's the most professional, values-based, intelligent lobbyist and advocate for veterans I've ever met. And there are a lot of great ones out there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not t talking ill of them. But Lauren Augustine is a rock star, and I'm telling you what, she fires me up too because she puts veterans first. I can drop a stack of anything in front of her, and she can consume it and eat it, and like tell me what it all means and what it all says and what it means for vets. And so, and oh, by the way, she's a small business owner. Her and her husband open a CrossFit gym uh, down in Woodbridge, Virginia. CrossFit, uh, CrossFit uh, Unbowed, and so. You know, like she doesn't have enough work to do at Got Your Six. Right. She's going home every night and running a business with her husband. And and I don't know. I just I just mentioned Kate and Lauren because obviously they work for Got Your Six, so I think they're rock stars, or or else that you know they wouldn't be rocking and rolling. But you know, I think when I think you know we're on the tail end of Women's History Month, um, and what women warriors are doing in our military is unbelievable, and they've they they're they're. They, I feel, as a guy, as a white-bearded guy, I feel like they have shattered the ceiling, the, the, the glass ceiling, and they are literally a rocket ship that it, they've just taken over. I mean, look at what women are doing in the military, and as a military vet, man, I'm proud of that. And so, yeah. I don't know, having Lauren and Kate on the team as rock stars, uh, I love. So, there's a, those are my four uh, vets who are rocking and rolling. I like that. In addition to you, Thank you're you. the fifth. Thank you. I make six. We got your six. Boom. Right? Yeah, I made top five. I like that. Right. And, you know, your little thing here, people should also know, you've got this little device that handles this uh, podcast. Zoom recorder, yeah. What's well, his Zoom? But from where I was standing back here, that Z looked like a B, and it looked like a boom recorder. So I just want to, <laughs> I just, I felt like this is this has just been a special uh, uh, moment uh, down to your boom device. I like I like that. You're a boom operator. I, I think I, that's a LinkedIn qualification. I think so. I'm yeah. putting it on. I, hope, I expect a boom operator endorsement on uh, on LinkedIn from you this afternoon. Count on it. <laughs> Count on it. Uh, Bill, it's uh, we doubled our anticipated what? time. Um, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I think it's um, it's really important for veterans to hear from the leadership in the veteran space, not only from what them and their organizations are doing, but who they are as a veteran, who they are as a citizen. Yeah. Um, and I think all of that sort of bridges the gaps, not only the civilian veteran divide, but the, like we mentioned, the veteran to veteran divide, yeah. of the veterans that are out there to the veterans that are unsure if they want to be out there, that sort of stuff. And so uh, I'm sure we've inspired at least one or two minds today, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for your service to our country, Bill. Thank you for serving veterans in this new way. I think that's, uh, that's something to be, um, to be applauded. Thank you, man, and thank you to, and everybody at VA because, I mean, you guys are rocking and rolling, and I'm here in DC, and and, and most people listening probably aren't, but man, this town's tough, mm -hmm. and and you guys are are literally in the fight every single day, uh, and I see you guys get punched in the face a lot, <laughs> and I just want to say thanks, man. Um, the fact you guys get up every day and put veterans first is a big, big, big freaking deal, and it's an honor to be on your podcast, man. veteran and homeless should never go together. Michelle Garcia served in Iraq and Afghanistan. Richard Stokely took the skills he learned in Vietnam and put them to use as a paramedic. But when they left the service, these veterans had problems with homelessness. Homelessness is the worst thing for anybody to be involved in. If you're a veteran in need or you know a veteran who is homeless or at risk of being homeless, call toll-free 877-424-3838 or visit va.gov homeless. 
Bill mentioned the importance of volunteering in your community, especially when it comes to renewing your purpose. Did you know that you can volunteer at your local VA? That's right. You can volunteer to help service veterans right at your local VA medical center. If you're interested in possible volunteer opportunities, go to volunteer.va.gov and follow the links to apply or simply call your local VA and ask how you can become involved with their volunteer services. Today's veteran of the day is Army veteran Ani Robert Stanley. Ani served during World War II. She joined the Women's Army Corps in 1943 when she was 23 years old. She was a part of the only women battalion to be deployed overseas during World War II. We honor her service. To read her full write-up and to nominate your own VOD, visit blogs.va.gov. That's all for episode 24. I know this was a longer one, so I definitely appreciate you taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to have a question addressed on the show, please tweet them to us using hashtag VAPodcast or email us newmedia at va.gov. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at DEPT Vet Affairs. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off. Mm-hmm.